0: We've made it to episode nine of Talking Toro, and well, let's kick off with some good news. Torino are officially safe, Robert, and we'll be playing in Serie A next season. Um, and before I tee you up for about the win over Spezia, it's now one defeat in seven, four unbeaten. These are glory days for the Granada. Is it, how, how many points are
1: we from Europe? Is that still a possibility?
0: Um... Maybe
1: next season. Yeah, I think I think maybe I'm getting a bit too carried away there. But I think this was an important game. Um, we this is the sort of game which we've not very not done very well in in recent weeks. The sort of Cagliari and uh, Venezia game still leave a, a bit of a scar in my mind. So when Spezia came to town with a unbeaten record against Torino since their promotion uh, last season, that I was a little bit concerned. Um, but I think those uh, concerns are out of place. Actually, it's—I know uh, they mostly get a, a late consolation with the customary, customary GG penalty giveaway. But um, it looked like it. From, from unfortunately, we weren't able to watch the game live. But from the highlights that I uh, have managed to, to watch, it seemed like a, a very comfortable win. Uh, probably, probably deserved to score maybe one or two more. Uh, Spezia scoring with their really only opportunity. A bit harsh on Milinkovic-Savic. You. As I did predict, did come back into goal, but I think that was due to uh, illness for barisha rather than anything else. Um, but yeah, just a couple of points to to point out: uh, a rare and first start for uh, Dembisek, who I have a feeling may be a Torino court hero of the future. Uh, it's just something about him; I just can't, I can't help but smile every time I see his face. He just seems so happy to be there.
0: Um, I don't I can't remember. As ever, even a very small sample size of of having seen him play, I, I don't. There's very few Torino players I can compare him to, just that kind of physicality and speed. And um...
1: Um, the only watching watching some of his highlights. I, um and uh, I heard I heard somebody else talking on another podcast about Faustino Asprea when he first turned up at Newcastle, and that he was so difficult to mark uh, because. defenders didn't know what he was going to do and that was because Espria didn't know what he was going to do and I think that's a a fair comparison with Sekert. I think he's so raw that I I think sometimes maybe he's not fully aware of what he's going to do but on on the evidence of the Spezia game it it turned out to be something good um and I remember I remember do you remember Umar Sadiq who had a loan spell at Torino under um Mihailović I think and he's very similar in sort of stature um probably not as as quick um but he did sort of have a bit of bit of the the Sadiq about him with, with just his height and unpredictability. Um, but probably probably should have scored. I mean, the the opportunity with the with the step over and then the the shot with his right foot. I thought was a a, a very good opportunity and absolutely bamboozled the defender. And I think I think he's left footed. So had it been on his stronger foot, I would have fancied him to to score that one maybe. But I think that was an impressive sort of 60, 60 minutes or so. Um Dennis Pratt came back uh thankfully from injury, that sort of uh, bit of creativity that'd been sorely missing. Um and then my final point on the goal, which I've only just noticed uh, after watching the highlights for a second time, I think Lukic's goal may be down to a Ivan Juric assist. Cause just on the highlights I noticed before the before the corner, you um Lukic's sort of standing on the the edge of the area and he sort of turns around to the bench and he's sort of like pointing his arms and sort of waving Um, and I get the feeling that maybe Juric had told him to to stay there and don't go into the box and wait on the edge of the box and then when he runs then when he scores he runs over and gives Juric a hug so I wasn't sure whether that was something maybe on the training ground or whether it was just on the on the spur of the moment that was something that that Juric had noticed in in the middle of the game but uh, I thought on Something I totally missed when I saw the goal the first time, but watching the highlights again uh, today, I thought maybe, uh, maybe our coach uh, can add another assist to his playing career.
0: Good spot. Yeah, it, it always amazes me with Lukic that how he doesn't get more goals because whenever he has scored, he's taken them really, really well. I thought it was a really good finish. And there was a spell at the beginning of last season where, I mean, he scored. He scored a few. I remember a few goals at, against Sassuolo and Genoa, but he just he. He's very, very confident in those positions and even the way he took his penalty as well. Um, And you just, yeah, you'd like to, he's playing maybe in a slightly more withdrawn role this season, but you'd you'd like to see it a little bit more. Um, That's the first game since Sampdoria away, we scored two goals in in a game. So uh, (laughs) a bit of a goal fest as well for the Granada. That does say say a lot
1: about our sort of struggles between um, January and April.
0: Well, I think what, what you noticed on Saturday was just having that variety in options on the bench again, in that we played for weeks and weeks with Breckler kind of um, in pretty uninspired form and not, not being able to change things. Um, but now we're having sec, I thought the bits I saw from Piazza, he looked a bit like the Piazza of earlier in the season with uh, getting away from, from, from his marker and getting some interesting positions. Um, and uh, Kind of a point, I was going to make is I did do a little bit of research for this because I, f- I felt maybe I was it's something I had a sensation of being a trend. But when Sanabria plays, we seem to have a much better record than when Bellotti plays. Um, and Sanabria for me is someone who tends to do well against teams playing in rosso blue at home. That's just my impression of Sanabria, kind of a mid table team at home, he does very well, um, away from home away from home he's never made much of an impact and in in the bigger games um he's 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 not the sort of striker who takes those one you know there's that one chance whereas Balotti might do but what he does do is he he kind of he presses very well and he's when we have those other supporting players in the team he he, um links up with them much better than Balotti and brings them into play there's a little stat for you so with Bellotti in the team this season, we've got 17 points in 18 games. It's less than a point a game. Um, without Bellotti, this is not necessarily with Sanabria in a team, but 26 points in 15 games, which is 1.73. So we're closer to two points a game. That is pretty um, pretty staggering. Why do I um, have a
1: feeling that uh, Cairo might be using these stats at some point in the summer once uh, Belotti's contract isn't renewed
0: or, or well, was, he couldn't uh, sign the renewal? Urbano has sent me these stats. <laughs> morning, but, um, but then I digged a little deeper and I thought, I mean, I mean, I love Belotti, but I just feel the last few seasons is he's been very sad and he's not had... You know, this season he's had the goal in the derby was his big moment, but apart from that, nothing. And he's had the two seasons uh, where we've almost almost been relegated so in the last three seasons with Blotti on the pitch we've won 20 of 89 games which is 22% of games he's walked off victorious um, his goal scoring record is still pretty decent 34 goals in 89 games which considering the, the struggles it's, it's kind of nowhere near the sort of levels he was getting under Mihailovic and Matsari. but I dare I say it Torino might under Juric in the direction we're going statistically are a much better team without Balotti. And I wonder, I do wonder if, apart from the fact we're not going to get a transfer fee for a player who, you know, probably at the moment would be worth around a 20 million euro mark uh, if he was under contract, but a few seasons ago it's 40 or 50 million. Um, as I said, sometimes statistics don't help because with him in the team, we play a different way, and he's so talismanic, talisman, such a talisman. I'll get my words out. Um, that I feel that I feel the team when he's in the team, they tend to kind of put more emphasis on him as well. But yeah, I just wonder whether this summer is going to be an actual time to say goodbye.
1: I, th- I think, to be honest, I think that's a it's a good point, and I think it's probably something I've realised as well, where. Maybe without the stats, but sort of just on a remembering the games on a game game by game basis whenever Sanabria plays he's not definitely not as talented a player as blotty but seems to fit into the system a little bit better um and and like you say maybe that's quite a quite a nice way for it to end that that he's not going to leave Torino in the lurch he will know that Torino uh, are going to going to be fine without him, and and he is able, like you say, to go and to go and be happy again. Because uh, I think watching watching him with the Euros last season, he he again, but I didn't think had a particularly good Euros either. But he he did sort of rediscover that smile, and I think there was a um a, in one of the games where he sort of runs runs six, I think it was the Austria game, runs sixty yards to to sort of make a tackle, which is sort of like what Torino fans are are used to. Uh, watching him from and, and sort of seeing him have that sort of desire for football where maybe carrying Torino for so many seasons especially the last couple has maybe just sort of torn it just sort of worn him down a little bit and he, he's, he's got a, a lot more injuries than every one of his major qualities was his durability, the fact that he, he would sort of get kicked for 90 minutes and and still never miss any games he's, he's had two or three like pretty bad injuries this season, obviously currently out injured at the moment um, and I'd, I'd like to see, I think we've got Roma on the last day of the season, whether he can just have one, maybe one last game where, maybe even have that meeting beforehand with Juric and, and say what, what his decision is going to be. Because I'd like, what I would like it to be is that everybody knows that this is going to be his last game. Um, and that might attract fans to the stadium just to sort of say, because whatever whatever you might have your feelings about the way he's left, and I think that's probably a debate for another podcast he's been a a sort of modern Torino hero for the last sort of 10 seasons. I can't think of anybody else who's had a a bigger impact on the club than, than Balotti sort of uh, almost single-handedly got us to uh, Europe. He probably kept us up in the previous two campaigns as well. Um, So I think to have a, a sort of nice farewell where the fans can sort of show their appreciation, I think he, he appreciates Torino as much as Torino appreciate him and, and that's quite quite rare in London
0: football. Agreed. It's, I do think the marriage has got a little stale though. I'm not sure. I think I think Torino and uh, maybe Juric deep down has tried to change the way he's, he's played and there's maybe a frustration when Blotti's in the team that he hasn't been able to adapt necessarily. Juric has, uh, has
1: been always always positive about him. Anytime he's had to, had to say anything about him, he's been positive about him. I'm not sure whether maybe he respects him as a as a man i think Jurich seems to be very um straight down the line will tell you what he thinks and i think Volati probably is m- maybe a similar character maybe a, a little bit more introverted but seems like a like an honest professional who who give absolutely everything and and if he's not happy he'll tell you and, and, and i think there's a definite mutual respect there but the the facts definitely don't don't sort of lie it it seems that we throughout the team in Sanabria are in then it looks like uh, Torino have been a better team this season.
0: Well tactically Belotti has always scored his goals when we've had um, we've, zipped, we've whipped a lot of crosses into the box and played and um, played to him that way and this, this Torino team just doesn't play like that. And I think in the summer we'll be looking at investing you know it, in those kind of for, in those kind of forward players the, the wide forward players and Yurich and has only ever played a one striker I'm not sure Sanabria is is necessarily that player. Um, I'd probably prefer to have Sanabria as an alternative, you know, for those Sunday afternoons against Cagliari or Bologna. Uh, um, well, I but, think and well, I think that's where
1: where double P may fit in.
0: Um, yeah, and double double P, yeah, I mean Yurich apologised apologize after the game for not giving him a run out because of the, just the kind of way the injuries went in the game, but I expect Pellegri with his fitness record and with playing three games effectively in eight days. Probably will get a start in one of the next, next two games. And yeah, I, I, I've got I've got a feeling maybe
1: maybe he's got him in mind to start against Atalanta.
0: Good well, yeah, I think either either um, Atalanta or Empoli he, he, he will definitely start um, because yeah, because at this stage of the season it's either it's either Snabria or or, or I don't think we're going to see. I don't think Zaza's going to get a standing ovation in the in the Roma match on the last day of the season, but. That's if, we that, if we
1: say that, we say that, also scored some very important goals, and uh, maybe that's um, maybe that's me just having a soft spot for for poor Torino players, but um, yeah. I think Sars has that... taken a lot of criticism, but has actually scored some some very important goals for Torino.
0: Yeah, it's. I think that Davide Nicola missed missed the trick in not taking Saza down with Verdi to to Salernitana. <laughs> the, the...
1: I think I think we can all agree that we probably want Salernitana to stay up. Um, now the the Nicola Nicola dream is is fully alive once again, and it, I think this would be his most remarkable achievement so far.
0: Uh, the, the guy's got an outstanding record. I mean, this this one really didn't seem on, but now they've got a game in hand, and yeah, other, other teams are just not picking up points, so it's it's going to be tight. But it's he's definitely made it interesting. I think my. Kind of final two points on on the weekend's game, and we will talk a little bit about Atalanta and Empoli a bit later. Was I was really impressed with the way the defenders um, brought the ball out of defence on, on Saturday. Um, it just seemed to be a sort of performance we we're putting in in kind of October and, and November in those in those home games. Um, and Ritchie as well just gets better, better week on week, week on week, and seems to be playing quite nicely with Lukic. Um, so it'd be interesting. I suspect Mandragora will get a run out in one of the next two games as well. There'll be I I, I suspect uh, Richie may play against Empoli and maybe Mandragora against Atalanta or something like that. But um, but it's a very yeah it's it's a very young team. Hopefully going in quite a positive direction. Yeah. Um. And yeah, with some the the games we've got left in the season, some of them looked a bit bit of a tall order a few weeks ago. But we, you know we could be playing Napoli in a few weeks with Napoli nothing to play for. So it has been a few seasons since torino have gone into the last five or six games you know being able to experiment and and being able to play with the, with the shackles off because either we've been going for europa league qualification or trying to avoid relegation so it's it's quite a nice nice position to be in um a bit a little bit stress free um So long may it continue. Yeah,
1: um, I I definitely think having a a sort of younger squad as well might be a bit of a benefit where maybe players who haven't had as much opportunity might get a a run out in the last few games and sort of of like second and be sort of really wanting to show what they can do or players who there's sort of question mark about whether they'll be here next season, have that bit of motivation and, and sort of ensure that those last sort of three or four games were actually sort of played competitively and, and aren't just sort of pre-season friendly type of affairs. But just one last quick point, uh, Sasha Lukic, we did we did sort of touch on him a little bit earlier on, but I think if, if if we were having a player of the season without Bremer award, I think Lukic would be right up there.
0: In a pod, in a pod to come, I'd say. But <laughs> to, to, before we get on to it, um, yeah, quite mesmerising hero and villain of the week. I, I'm quite excited for this week's ones because they're not necessarily controversial, but taking us in different direction. Um, yeah, another, another award. Should we cl- we'll close the kit, the kit award? Oh, Just one thing on the kits, because we kept mentioning the word kit and we only ever talked about shirts. And I just reflected, uh, it's a very quick question to you. The Torino home kit, in my opinion, should always be Granata, white shorts, black socks with maybe little little kind of Hint of granada on the socks. You're 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 not an all granada man, are you?
1: Uh, no, I probably wouldn't be an all granada man because that would just sort of look a
0: bit like a sort
1: of tracksuit. But I I, I think that's a that's a fair question actually. as you probably don't consider the the sort of full the full kit as, as much as you do the shirt. But yeah, you think I think the white shorts is a is a is a better look. Um, maybe maybe a bit more marine than the socks, but. Yeah, I think maroon, maroon, maroon. Maybe a bit too much maroon.
0: All right. You're wearing you're in a bit of a the river plate tribute. It's, shirt. It's
1: actually the winner of the uh the favourite away shirt actually is I uh continue to spend money on football shirts that I can't afford. Uh but no, it's one one thing I almost did mention actually. The only thing I'd like I love the design of the shirt, but I actually think the quality of it's probably not as good as other Torino shirts in the past. So Hope maybe from Joma is listening to this, but I just feel um, it feel the material just feels a little. I don't know. I can't put my words on it. Can't put my finger on how it feels. But it's maybe not as, especially with the in comparison to the uh, third shirt, which I we do also own, but may may not may uh, require. Because you, more...
0: you spend your week wearing silk suits and silk pajamas. Uh,
1: well, may, maybe that's it. But no, the the third shirt, which I, I may need to go and play a few games of football before I'm able to. For it fits me as feltly as this one um it feels better much better quality but that's uh that's enough for the uh the clothing podcast uh well nearly nearly enough but worst kit review or worst home shirt review as i should say uh well it's a worst home shirt was the 2002 2003 uh that's the the pie shirt that you uh quite rightly picked out peter um, yeah, just yeah, just a bad it,
0: a bad time to be
1: a Torino fan. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't get thirty one point four percent of the votes. That would have been quite a uh, quite a, quite a good coincidence. Uh, so you, you come to the Torino, you come to the Talking Toro podcast for Torino talk, and you get mass jokes. You go, um, just... So yeah, moving swiftly on, the uh, away kit was uh, the one I pointed out the uh, the 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 weird stripe uh, down the sort of. Uh, the vertical stripe um that with probably... the comic is that the
0: one with the comic Sans side sponsor or right? sorry yeah i
1: think yeah. yeah i think it is i think a few people pointed out that the 11 12 shirts that season whether we like annoyed somebody at the kappa christmas party but we definitely got the worst templates that they had um which, which is unusual actually thankfully i think maybe because we were in serie b kappa maybe sent their sort of b team designers over to to turin um and then the third shirt, they just—we still can't split the the Kelme, uh Suna shirt and the the orange Lotto one, which I I can't find this shirt anywhere for like a year, as as to where it was worn. So whether it was sort of just—it
0: yeah. was ninety-five. Well, we're going to talk about one of its star players a little oh, bit. Oh wow! Later. So I, will I do. You I to do that. remember the year of that shirt, and um, I think the yeah. We don't want to talk too much longer about kits, but. Um, I I might just take the executive decision and say the peach one is the worst one because the 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 Calme one I would actually buy um, because it is it is of an era that was the kind of design style of the time, um, but uh, and it you know it's it's the soonest de Rigo years, but whereas the peach one was um, bad season, bad choice, no relevance to anything. Um,
1: the the Calme one I think I've seen on sale. Uh, a couple of times, and it's ridiculously expensive. So but, maybe did, did it's scary. The,
0: the peach one is maybe someone one day washed a home shirt with the away shirt, and that's what that that's what came out. Because that's the only thing I. Maybe that
1: like, maybe it was never actually like released on sale. Did the kickman just had a bit
0: of a nightmare? Could could be could be, but anyway, hit us with your hero of the week. It's
1: a c it's a controversial one so I may uh, prepare myself for some abuse on Twitter um, but it is Charles Joseph Hart now I know what you're thinking Joe Hart had a poor time at Torino, Simon Jordan's just calling in to the phone line to tell us this because he seemed to have belief with his numerous Italian friends um, and Torino friends funnily enough, not only do they have Italian friends they all supported Torino as well so they're obviously from Turin. Um, but I I I'll I talk about uh, Hart's spell at Torino, but and it, which I think is very harsh very harshly treated with um how people remember his spell. Um but the reason I've I've picked him is just for what that sign meant to to me as an an English Torino fan, because it was the first time really where people would sort of stop and talk to you about Torino because they'd they'd heard of Torino in the news. Like your average football fan, or even even non football fans, really would would sort of like, oh, you support Torino, Rob? How's Joe Hart getting on? Like just that sort of conversation over the water cooler at work, and it's that's I, something it, which it might... meant
0: Joe Hart meant you had to talk to your colleagues. I know this is a good. thing. I should have I should
1: have, put, I, should have put, I should have put him in the villain category, maybe. But no, no, I if if there was any chance for me to get paid to talk about Torino rather than work, I was more than willing to take the take up uh, the council upon that offer. Um but the um yeah it was it was it was more that for the first time since I sported Torino, the average sort of person was was willing to sort of or wanted to talk about Torino and, and were genuinely interested because obviously at this time he was still England number one. Um he'd come off the back of a difficult Euros where he was at fault for at least one of the goals against Iceland. Um and obviously that summer goes back to Manchester City, Guardiola doesn't fancy him. Um, and, he, and he talks about sort of the, the way he game he signs to for Torino was the fact that there's not many teams um, a couple of days before the, tra- the end of the transfer window who haven't sorted out a, a goalkeeper. So he, he needs to find a team who were maybe a little bit incompetent. And thankfully for him, Torino were there on hand. Alfred Gomez, I think, was going to. I genuinely think Gomez probably would have been the uh, number one for that season. Because um, I remember I I went out to uh, Lisbon for the Eusebio trophy, which apparently doesn't count the silverware, but I'm counting it. Um, And and Gomez was in goal and made a mistake for uh, Benfica's goal. I think maybe that put maybe a couple of doubts in Mihailovic's mind and and was sort of willing to, to see a more, if a more of, Experienced goalkeeper came about. He probably would have been uh, happy to um, see how that see how that transpired. And I think I seem to remember there was talk about Emiliano Viviano being the the goalkeeper whom Hialovic wanted. And his agent said um, he's not available. But if you do want a goalkeeper, Joe Hart's available. Um, and and I think that's how the the, tra- the transfer came about. So I just I just, can just remember the the scenes of him. Sort of signing at the office um, in the centre of Turin. It was a, It felt like a, a really big signing, even Torino fans and even, even Italian Torino fans. Obviously, coming out and and signing England's number one was it was a big deal. Um, and he, um, yeah, I think he he really embraced that. I, I think Torino fans really appreciated the the effort that he he gave in sort of speaking sort of basic Italian and uh was, I think he lived in the city centre so he was always sort of available to meet. I, I managed to meet him at the at the training ground and had a had a photo with him. And he, he seemed like he really enjoyed that that year. Um even though on the pitch it may not have been as, as great as we'd maybe expected in his performances I don't think they were horrendous. I think they were the odd mistake which any goalkeeper in, in the world is get is going to make but the defence that he was playing playing um, in front of him. Uh, I think I found one one instance that the back four was Davide Zappacosta, Luca Rossettini, Carlao, and Danilo Avila. Um, I'm not sure there's many goalkeepers in world football who are keeping a clean sheet with that in front of them. So, I think in hindsight, people sort of talk about his, his time at Torino as being a, a failure. And personally, I think it was. To see an English goalkeeper, and I'll be honest, before before his owned for Torino, I never really had much time for Joe Hart. I thought he made me a bit a bit arrogant, but I think he proved a lot of people, including myself, wrong. He, he threw himself into going from playing for league titles in the Champions League for Man City to going to play for a mid-table uh, Serie A team. And he threw himself into it, gave everything. And even now, any time his time at uh, Torino comes up, he speaks nothing but warm warmly of the fans and the city. Um and I'm really glad that he sort of managed to find a, a team nowadays in, in Celtic where he's hopefully on the on the verge of, of winning a league title.
0: It is definitely yeah, definitely an interesting debate with Hart. Um I mean, like you, it was it was such a the signing came from nowhere really, didn't it? It was um uh, I remember I remember seeing it. Uh, some kind of headline on the internet from the sun or something that Joe Hartley with with Torino and you just think, yeah, it's just one of those, one of those things. But yeah, like you said, he found himself in a position where, where most of the elite clubs had two goalkeepers or were not willing to pay, pay the wages and Man City were not necessarily willing to, to share, um, share, you know, pay, pay for him to play for a rival. Whereas going abroad to Torino suited Man City, even subsidizing the wages. Um, and he, yeah, I think he did arrive slightly hungover from the whole situation with with leaving Man City. But like you said, he he really embraced the challenge, and actually think it probably did him good to reset away from away from England and away from um, away from those kind of those that that kind of pressure. Um, on the pitch, I thought he. Well, the other thing I'll say is Mihailovic was the was. We wouldn't I don't think we would have ever signed him under Ventura or Mazzari because the Italians had have a massive when he signed it was a massive thing or oh, an English goalkeeper. An English goalkeeper can't be very good. And I think Ventura and Mazzari are so dogmatic in their approach, they'd have to have an Italian goalkeeper. Um or a, a goalkeeper that had played for ten years in Serie A already. But and I think Mihailovic is so freestyling his kind of sort of players he has that that, Yeah, it, it kind of worked because Mihailovic was there. It kind of didn't work because Mihailovic teams generally don't defend very well. And and Torino, like you said, it was that was a sample sample kind of defense you gave earlier. But we had like uh, a a yeti as well. You could have you could have got in there. The only time we looked reasonably competent defensively was when Castan earlier in the season. Who you know, he was a bit. He was a bit kind of um. Uh, what's the word? He was. It he, he was a kind of a little bit too aggressive sometimes, but when he, him and Moretti were in the team, we were, it was a little bit more stable. But yeah, we conceded sixty three goals in thirty six games, which statistically is not great. He made a an error, a rick on his debut at Atlanta. Um, hopefully, big... hopefully, not
1: hopefully not for this Wednesday. So.
0: No, and why he went to Atalanta and then to Empoli, didn't he? Because he had that that one that hung up, which wasn't necessarily that was, that was not his that was not his fault. No. That was a he's fault. But but then yeah, two quite big mistakes again, into home and away. One one when we let Acardi score at, at the San Siro, and the uh, Kongdobia shot um, as a game I was actually at, where he he let it run under his body. So where for the people who yeah, I was saying. Were saying you know kind of English goalkeepers are all bad that there was kind of enough of those kind of incidents, and then- you know people back in England would pick up on that as well but you start I felt when a team had that energy earlier in the season he had some couple of good games for England as well as a Torino player, yeah. and it looked really good, but I think there was always a realization we were never going to be able to sign Joe Hart unless he you know was willing to dropped to 25% of his wages and, and Man City gave him away. And, I, I, do,
1: I do wonder actually um, whether if you look at how his career subsequently turned out up until now sort of the moves to West Ham and Burnley which, which never uh, materialised as, as to working for him and then he went to sort of Spurs as second choice. I wonder whether in hindsight he wishes that maybe that conversation was a little bit longer and whether Torino would have uh, sort of signed him on a permanent deal because if you think after Mihailovic, he had Matsaria, a more uh, defensive coach, whether staying at Torino and, and having a couple of good seasons, I mean, Garisarsko does seem to ignore Fakai Tomori in Italy. So whether whether it means he would have ignored Hart's good form had he continued, but he did stay in the team um, as, as England number one while still at Torino. So I wonder, I mean, it's all purely uh, hypothetical, but it's not like he went on to Torino and then can continue to have a uh, good success in his career Whether, whether I wonder whether he looks back at it and thinks, well, maybe if there was a possibility to stay at Torino, that, that could have been something which would have worked out a little bit better for his career.
0: I think he is fondly remembered by a lot of Torino supporters. I think in time, he'll become a kind of cult hero. And I think. So in the same way,
1: day, to, same way of Torino, Tony Dorigo, I think he maybe not had the, the best sort of lasting memories and, and, but I think that sort of uniqueness of having a an English player play for Torino and, and it is sort of about that sort of immersing yourselves in in the culture in the uh in the city, in the team. Even I think on, on a recent podcast sort of Hart describes Torino as being the team of, of the city and, and it's just things like that. That's sort of five, six years ago from, from when he played for the side, but he still seems to have that emotional attachment to it just from just from a season which I think is quite is it's quite a good thing about Torino. It's like, it's, a, it's a team that you, if you've played for them and you've done well, it's probably the highlight of your career. Um, and, and that's always quite nice to be uh, quite nice to be remembered at a club fondly.
0: Yeah. I think he, like you said, he, he came with a certain reputation, uh, for being, you know, quite loud and, and, and a, and a bit arrogant by that, Maybe a sort of persona he had on. He had a, he had a little bit on on the pitch, and but he he carried himself very well. And yeah, he's talked. He's always talked really well about Torino. and I found some of the English journalists at the time when he was at Torino were a little bit um, quite condescending about it. And he was he never felt like he'd come to Torino to do it as a favour. He he came he came to learn. He came to he he was he was quite humble. He's quite an interesting character because he's played for my country, England. He's played for Torino. Um, he hasn't played for Port Vale yet, but that day may happen. But he's from Shrewsbury, which is where I live, and I've I've seen him a few times um, around town. And once I saw, once I saw a group of or a couple of lads in in Torino shirts in Shrewsbury, which is not something you see every day. And I thought oh, that's very interesting. Torino goalkeeper shirts from. Sixteen, seventeen, kind of time and then yeah joe hart was with them so you know there's just that that's quite nice as well that like he's got family members and you know still it's still in torino gear and stuff um like i said i don't i don't know if you've heard this one before but apparently i, I remember reading at a time that it was a chant from torino fans which was our heart in the middle of our net or our heart in the middle of our box <laughs> i don't know if that's true that torino fans came up with this song but it's it's kind uh, of genius if 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 it did. I can't say whenever so, I went to the stadium, I ever heard it.
1: I sort of hope. I sort of hope that um, that did happen. All I can remember is um, the the come on thing uh, that he yeah. used to put. He used to put on Instagram that got a bit of a, a yeah caught following. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think I think if you, I, I, I it will be interesting actually. Maybe I'll put a, maybe I'll put a poll up um, after I do the episode as to whether. Whether Hart is sort of considered a, a Toro hero or not, and I think we might be surprised with the results. I think I think a lot of people actually remember him really fondly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've said he probably wouldn't have played under Matsuri Ventura for different reasons, but I think if he had, uh, the experience would have been would have been different. But he was there was a decline in his performances. There was there was a kind of time where he was beaten on his left hand side quite a bit, and there were th- those you felt some of the some of the flaws in his game were um were starting to be exposed and um like you said yeah he's it's it's nice he's got his career back on track um because he's not someone who should have been third choice goalkeeper at at Burnley and things like that um but yeah I think I think definitely definitely a cult hero category and it would kind of be more fun if Torino did sign you know just did make a few more signings like, like left field signings like that from time to time. Not quite who'd
1: be sort of like the modern equivalent of like an English player who can't get a game. Phil Jones.
0: <laughs> well, Jack Wilshire <laughs> 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 I think, I think, I think, uh, yeah. Uh, but it, it, strangely enough, it might be more likely now with with a lot of kind of young English players. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's um, that's a very good doing, point. Doing, doing seasons abroad, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think an interesting shout, an interesting debate, and I think the Joe Hart signing was quite similar to my villain of the week. Actually, um, this guy's not my villain of the week, but it's going to lead me to my villain of the week. But in in um, 1995, Torino signed Hakan Suka, who was pretty much the you know one of the top strikers in Europe. Um, quite the same. It was his first experience abroad. Um, and, yeah, you just the, the massive buzz about signing signing a player like that. Um, he only lasted five games um, because of, I think, kind of uh, it may have been something to do with his marriage, but, yeah, very he just didn't settle in Italy. And at the time, the transfer window um, was open much earlier. So he played five games and then quickly went back to Galatasaray. And he thought, OK, what are Torino going to do now? Because this was a big statement signing to play with, with Abdi Pele and Ritziteli, um, to make you know, a pretty potent forward line and so my villain of the week is the guy we 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 signed to replace Hakan Suka. so you know what statistically one of the best strikers in Europe at that time and we replaced him with a 22 year old Croatian by the name of Veldin Karic and I often say he's yeah, he's probably one of the players in, in a Torino shirt, um, I, let's just say, I'm least impressed by. Um, I just felt in that season, we went from the excitement of having, having Hakan Suka to, to signing a guy uh, who would kind of was up and coming in Croatia, but uh, as it transpired, nowhere near uh, being ready to play for Saria, in Serian. I'm not sure he ever would have been. Um and yeah, pretty much stunk the place out for the rest of that season. I mean, Torino that was the start of Torino's decline of kind of 15 years yo-yoing between Serie A and Serie B. And I'm kind of no way am I blaming this guy for, for that. But it was the kind of signing that sealed that season. That um that, that kind of la- lack of ambition. It was a stab in the dark. Uh, he scored he scored one goal in 20 in, in odd games. Um just didn't look mobile. Um, you had this kind of, yeah, mop of, mop of shaggy hair. Um, uh, just never, never, never settled. Um, and uh, slowly, slowly Abdi Pele um, dropped out of the team and it was kind of ritzy telly trying to, trying to keep Torino up on his own, but I did some research on, on, on carriage because he, Torino went down and he, he was sold on and then he, Ended up getting a few caps for Croatia and doing very well for in the Croatian league, but never, ne- apart from a spell in Switzerland, never played abroad again. But I hadn't realised before he would signed for Torino in the in 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 the war, um, uh, in the war in Yugoslavia in the early nineties, he was he he, he was um, captured as as a prisoner in the story was he was he thought he was going to be executed, and. Um, and football was one of the things that 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 kind of saved him. So, you know, his back. This was only a few years later in his backstory. It's quite, kind of quite a horrendous backstory. Um, so you also feel quite sympathetic for a guy who's, yeah, who's 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 kind of been through that and then found himself just not being ready to play um, to play in the Italian league. But yeah, it was it was uh, that was a funny season because we had three goalkeepers. Um, who played 14, 15 and eight games. So we just, we just didn't have a trusty goalkeeper. We had a left back called Mauro Milanese, who ends up playing for QPR and managing Leighton Orient. Uh, another one of my least favorite Torino players as well. Um, but yeah, it was just, a, it was just, it was a kind of transfer window where everything went wrong and, and, and the signing of carriage was just kind of, yeah, I guess in, in a way the cherry on top of all of that. Um and probably, yeah, probably the most underwhelming signing I'd say that it's probably been worse players in in the Serie b days, but uh, there's not uh, just not too many players i've seen in in at a serie A level who've been kind of such a fish out of water, so yeah he's kind of he's kind of my my villain category for the week um
1: I think that's a a very fair shout like you say it's, it's there's the sort of story about um, being captured in Yugoslavia does, does shed a bit bit more light on it and, and maybe it's a bit feel a bit too harsh to, to be too cruel towards him. But uh, on a purely footballing basis, he's a player that I, until I think you mentioned him on a, on a previous episode uh, a few weeks ago, I'd never even heard of. So definitely didn't leave a, a mark on Torino like uh, some of the players. Um Worst player to play for Torino may be an episode, a future episode in itself. To be honest, because especially when you consider the sort of Serie A, Serie B days, it's probably there. There have been some very, very, very bad players to, to play for a club. Um, my personal, personal pick for that category is Ruben Perez, uh, a Spanish midfielder who was signed I think under Ventura for for the Europa League campaign. I don't think I've ever, and we 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 talk about Ricardo Rodriguez being slow, but I think Perez might have might have even lost in a race to Rodriguez because I can just remember him um, just being in the center circle, just, just losing the ball and trying to run back. And I don't my only memory
0: was, of him was coming on very late in matches, very slowly. But yeah,
1: it it just seems very cumbersome. But he, um, but but was he? I think was sort of like a sort of ball playing, deep lying playmaker. Um, but but always seems to just give the ball away and not be able to maybe couldn't just cope with. I mean, if you can't cope with the pace of, of uh, Italian football, then you may be in trouble. But um, he's uh, I, I did I did have a, a little look and he's uh, playing for Panathinaikos now with uh, in the same league as my my good friend Omar Alcadori. So maybe they're uh, they have a uh, reunions when they play in the league.
0: Surprise surprise you've not got yourself out to Athens to. Uh... To watch a bit of your hero.
1: Well, he 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 plays for uh, a, 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 I don't even know how to pronounce it, but Palk, uh, which is in uh, Thalonica, Thank which is like it. which is a it is a um holiday destination. So maybe I should uh, maybe if any airlines are are, uh, are listening to the pod and fancy giving me a free holiday to go and meet the uh the Moroccan Messi himself, then uh, they're more than welcome to.
0: Very good. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, part part of uh, of choosing characters to, was to, was I couldn't quite get Hakan Suko in it as, as as a villain. But I think, yeah, Hakan Hakansuko and, and Joe Hart in terms of those just being real statement signings um, were very kind of in, interesting signings. We've not had too many like that because we've signed players. Yeah, we signed the, the great Enzo Francescoli, but he, yeah, he was already someone with, playing in Serie A for a smaller club. So it wasn't, yeah, that wasn't, wasn't kind of s- s- such a shock, but, um, the, yeah, over, over the last 25, 30 years, they're both amongst the kind of, the, the big, well, the bigger names to have played for Torino, whether, um, uh, however well not they've, they've sometimes done on the field of play. So, um, but yeah, it's taken us, taken us some, to some interesting places this week and Torino traveling to, uh, one interesting place in, in in bergamo on wednesday and then Empoli, i profess i've never been to um, but then travelling on to, to Empoli on on sunday so we're looking at six points robert
1: i'll, I'll, I'll take those right now if you're off me them but um atalanta a funny side um we i said we a couple of seasons ago we did the double against them um under Matsari, despite despite struggling for for some parts of the season Um, and they're they're in a bit of of a strange position where they're probably not going to get into the top four, uh, whether they they fancy another season in Europa League or whether they would possibly like a season out of Europe to concentrate on the league next season is is debatable, but they've lost four of their last six, uh, including their Europa League uh, exit to uh, Red Bull-Leipzig and the fixture last season was probably one of the rare bright spots for Torino. If you can remember it, we were three 0 down at, I think just half Yeah, yeah Bonazzoli came. The the pound shop Batasuta, came <laughs> came came in with with another important goal as he's doing with, uh, he's doing with Salernitana at the weekend, and we um, managed to scrape a three all draw. Um, so yeah, I think I think actually of the, of the two games, I could maybe see, Atalanta. Being the one where it's it's sort of Urich against um, Gasparini, who he played it played under at uh, Genoa, and there are sort of a lot of similarities by the way that they play, and I think Eurich sort of proclaims himself as being the sort of disciple of the the Gasparini system, and and the, the systems are almost identical in, in terms of formation. So I think it, was, it could... um,
0: yeah. Sorry, Urich was um, assistant to Gasparini yeah, at Inter as well, Inter. and that that
1: lasted well, but. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think they, they obviously get on with, with being being assistant um, manager to him at Inter, and I think it could I think it could be a really entertaining game. I think Atalanta would for for the last few seasons have been in that position where Torino would love to be. Uh, I mean, I would they've had the Champions League nights and and are sort of seconds away from beating PSG. It's, uh it's an incredible story on a relatively small budget compared to some of the other sides in the league. So. Uh, I think maybe it was there on the possibly on the decline this season. Maybe it could be a rebuilding rebuilding year. A lot of the players that they've have helped them get to the position they've they've got to, uh, maybe getting a little bit older or or have, or have been sold on. Um, so yeah, I think I'm I'm going to go for an entertaining two-all draw.
0: It's a hard one to call. There's been a few kamikaze scorelines, hasn't there? In in Bergen, we won five-one under Ventura, I mean a while ago now. Um the 3-0 to, to 3-3, which is very, very rare Torino thing to do. The 3-2 in I think it was in Reggio Emilia when they were um doing some work on their stadium. And then we've had a few defeats there, but yeah, it's not um it's quite a hard one to call in. yeah, as you say, where where is their mindset? Are they are they going? are they going for the Europa League or, or Europa Conference League or, um, but they're clearly a side that can be got at, are quite vulnerable at the moment. Um, I think they'll have some regrets as well that, you know, they didn't have one of their, that, yeah, this season, they didn't kick on because I think the league, the league title might've been there. And I think another regret, maybe not not kind of winning one of those Copper Italias because I think they got to two finals. And um yeah, very, very hard one to call. I, I think between, I'd you know, I'd I'd shake for four points between Atalanta and, and Empoli. And personally, for other reasons, I'd rather go and win at Empoli than, than Atalanta. Um, so I'm going to say a draw as well. At, I'm going to say 1-1. In, and I'm going to say a late goal for somebody because um, I think we're due, we, we, we're due to score a late winner at some point in the season. It's just... Has to be, but I've got, yeah, I got a feeling it'd be a late goal there. And then, yeah, that takes us to to Empoli. And we were talking um, before the pod. Uh, you you were asking if Torino had ever won at Empoli, and we haven't. We've played fifteen times between Serie A and B at the mighty Castellani Stadium. Um, our only win was the first meeting there in the, in the Coppa Italia. Uh, I was aware we had a terrible record there. I didn't realise it was it was that bad. Yeah, Empoli, it's not a club I've ever warmed to, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm I'm, kind of one of these people who like Serie A to be... I like to have more of the traditional big sides in Serie A and have... It's nice to have one or two fairy tale stories in there, but I've never... I've often played a football... They've often developed some very interesting coaches, um, you know, Spalletti, um, Sari, and some interesting players. They've They've always... Whenever they've come up, they've actually been quite an interesting side tactically um, to play against. Um, so nothing against them. That's in that sense as well. Just yeah, often see them in that kind of very strange kind of empty em- empty stadium. And, um, I think for a few and yeah, I just when Torino really have a bad record against someone, you just na- naturally don't don't warm to them very much. But yeah, it's just our record there is is foul. I remember the, the closest we've come to winning. I remember watching this match and. In a pub, we we went 1-0 up in the 91st minute at Empoli once with an own goal and contrived to to draw 1-1 in the 93rd minute. Um, they're, they're on a horrible run. Their only win since beating Napoli away in December was against Napoli last weekend. So I'm really glad they beat Napoli in the sense that they've got that win. I don't like playing teams who are on stinking runs because sooner or later that's going to change. And hopefully... Yeah, hopefully they'll be. Well, they might be inspired by that win, but yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, maybe they'll let their, their guard down a little bit. But they do have some interesting young players. But I think, come on, it's time. It's time to go and win it. Win, <laughs> win it at uh, at Camp Castellani. I, th-
1: I think um, it's funny you mentioned the stadium because I think there was a poll on Twitter or like a or a question was asked about the worst the worst stadium in Italy and and Empoli's was, I think, listed as number one. Uh, it's not a stadium I've been to, but I think it's it's always, it's empty. I think it's got running track, and it's it's just one of those stadiums you're never going to warm um, to. So, yeah, I think it would be nice for Torino to, to break their, their duck there, so to speak, and uh Samueli e. Richie obviously coming through the, the Empoli Academy might maybe maybe he can come up with a with a late winning goal for Torino because like you say we definitely I think the latest goal that we've scored to win a game was um would have been Piazza's against Sassuolo, so that was right at the beginning of the season. So I definitely think we with Due a sort of a, a late winner and um I think Empoli would if you yeah like you say four points there would be a a good return and in that battle for, for ninth place, maybe or tenth place with Sassuolo and Verona, um, that would give us a sort of a good opportunity to sort of stay in in touch with their sides.
0: Indeed, yeah, I mean, Tuscan football is quite quite you know strange in six you got Fiorentina as, as the big team, but you got places like Lucca and Pisa and Livorno, which uh, traditionally have been in Serie A and have quite kind of um, you know hardcore fan bases um you had Siena it's kind of turning the century or the, the early 2000s knocking around and they were just an interesting team because people like going to Siena um but yeah not Empoli's the, not, 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 Empoli's not a place not for the horses, for the football no but yeah Empoli's not a place people visit um you know in Tuscany whereas you know Pisa, Lucca, for various reasons people would so yeah, just it's, it's, it's it, they also feel like a bit of an outlier with, within Tuscany as well. But they've done they've done very well. They've they had a very good first half of the season. Um, I don't say this with any confidence, but I'm going to go for a three-one Torino victory in Embley. Yeah. Okay,
1: I'll go. I'll go one. I'll go with the the one-nil late winner by Richie.
0: Does he celebrate? Uh, no,
1: he doesn't yes. look. He he looks. Um, it it's strange because he he's only twenty, but I think he looks older. Um, but yeah, I just get the feeling he would be just too too respectful for that. He he has very very recently moved. Like he's probably still got his there.
0: Yeah, no, I need I need someone to celebrate. that would be no good to me. So
1: no, I, I just can't. I just can't see the character in him just going totally wild and jumping over the hoardings and going into the into the end with the Torino fans. Maybe maybe we need more players like that. But we
0: both we both predicted a solid four points. So um. That yeah, that'll be um, yeah. So it, if, it will if, it will take the unbeaten run to it will, that would make it you know one defeat in nine. But we are dreaming a bit. We, yeah. make it we those games. Yeah, so. if we
1: come back with um, zero points from both those games, we may have two new hosters for the podcast next week, and because we've obviously jinxed it, and we'll have to go into podcast jail.
0: Indeed. Well, next week uh, will be podcast ten. Uh, I think we're going to aim to release it on the 4th of May, Quattro Maggio, for um, the anniversary of the Superga disaster. And we're going to we'll talk obviously about the the two away trips coming up and preview the Napoli game. But thought we would do we'll get a little bit kind of nostalgic on on the Grande Torino. Um, So yeah, next week's pod um, should be dropping. hate myself for using that expression but it's it, it should yeah I, it's one of those podcast terms people use but yeah it should be um it should be yeah should we should be making it available on the, web, on, the on the on on the 4th of may to remember that great team so
1: i think that's uh, hopefully we'll be able to to do that great team justice i mean uh, probably a, a bit of our sort of personal personal tributes about sort of what what the 4th of may means to us uh, and as torino funds uh, in general
0: Indeed, in the meantime, for Zotoro. For Zotoro.